Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join the discussion, email us at yogahour at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite, to the divine presence that is around us, between us, and within us. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'll be sharing with you today some insights and practices from the spiritual tradition of yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. Yoga is a familiar Sanskrit word today, but not everyone understands its deepest meaning of oneness or unity that refers to bringing our attention and our awareness to rest consciously in the recognition of our essential spiritual nature, being restored to our original wholeness. So yoga is abiding in this conscious awareness of our true self. It is self-realization. It is not just knowing this, but then, of course, living a life in harmony with it, which is uh, so perfect for our topic today, uh, which is in praise of Mother Earth, wisdom for living in harmony with the Earth. And we're going to be drawing from some verses from the Atharva Veda, the Prithvi Sukta. And joining us today is Dr. Christopher Key Chapel. He is the Navin and Pratima Doshi Professor of Indic and Comparative Theology at Loyola Marymount University. He served as Assistant Director of the Institute for Advanced Studies of World Religions and has taught Sanskrit, Hinduism, Jainism, and Buddhism uh, for five years at State University of New York at Stony Brook before he joined the faculty at LMU. He's published several books, including Yoga and the Luminous, Patanjali's Spiritual Path to Freedom, and he has joined us on Yoga Hour before as we've discussed that book, so you can look in the archives and um, find that wonderful conversation. He also, uh, some of his other books include Reconciling Yogas, 
um, Yoga and Ecology, Dharma for the Earth, and his most recent release, which is co-authored with O.P. Dvedi, and this called In Praise of Mother Earth, the Prativi Sukta of the Atarva Veda. Welcome, uh, Dr. Chapel. I'm so delighted to have you return to the Yoga Hour today. Good morning, Ellen. It's a delight to be here again. Thank you. And um, before we begin our conversation, let's just take a moment um, to center ourselves uh, in a moment of meditation. In this moment, we consciously open our hearts, open our minds to divine omnipresence, recognizing that one reality, which is called by many names, it is the support and substance of all that is. This reality extending from the transcendental field into all creation, a spectrum of consciousness, one reality pervading all that is. So right where we are right now in this moment, we can begin to more fully recognize this sacred essence that is the essence of all, the life of all, and the reality at the core of our being. So let your breath help you Take this break for a moment. Just feel as you breathe in that you're diving into a more profound awareness and connection to this all-pervading life, this one consciousness that supports all that is. And as you breathe out, let go of any restless thought activity any concerns, simply be present and know that your breath can help you do that. Breathing in, just affirm, I am present here and now in this sacred moment here, this beautiful earth that is pervaded by the power and presence of God. Breathe in. Connect to that presence, to that power, to that peace that pervades the heart and the mind when we stop for a moment, a conscious moment. And as we touch this peace within us that emanates from the essence of our being, let's invite that peace to fill our minds now to balance our emotional nature, to strengthen and support the physical body. And let's remember, as we abide in this peace, to share it with all beings today, letting it overflow in every encounter. Peace meeting peace. the wonderful timing today with um, 
Earth Day upon us this weekend to have the opportunity to speak about yoga and ecology. Today, uh, many spiritual and religious traditions are looking into their roots to examine their relationship uh, to creation in light of the threats to the environment. I think there is not a day that goes by today that, in, in, you know, if we have our eyes and our ears open, in some way we don't hear about um, stresses on the environment. And so it's on our minds, it's on our hearts. And so let's take a look today at what our sacred texts tell us about the earth and our responsibility for its care. Um, and in particular, we'll have an opportunity to look at how nature is viewed in the tradition of yoga. Um, because many who practice yoga and meditation are asking these questions about yoga as a spiritual path. Um, so, Chris, let's start there. You know, How is nature or creation viewed in yoga philosophy? Well, in yoga philosophy, the founding underlying uh, precept is that the practice of nonviolence is to be observed and always possible in order for us to rise up into more elevated states of, of purity that will bring us toward consciousness, toward that pure consciousness where we experience that non-separation between self and other. And what we often find is that Sometimes people think, oh, we've got to get away from the material world. But in yoga, it's very explicit that the material world, which is also known as prakriti, which manifests in its most, um, let's say, its most obvious form within the five great elements, that the five great elements of earth, water, fire, air, and space actually become an important gateway toward that consciousness and that by giving honor to the elements of nature, also known as the Mahabhutas, that we're able to clarify our own thinking to come to understand the, the obstacles that separate us from that pure consciousness and that by returning to an intimacy with nature, and by literally lowering ourselves with humility to the ground, that we're able to come back to our senses and come back to, uh, again, that important pathway that leads us mm-hmm. to that place of intimacy. Mm. Yeah, I was. a couple of things came to my mind as I was thinking about this conversation with you. You know, one was my, my own experience with the path of yoga, and, you know, I don't know that... Uh, it, I'm so different from other practitioners in that, you know, my, my first um, hope about yoga was that it would take me out of the world, <laughs> that, that I would be able to, that I'd be able to, you know, transcend somehow the, the messiness of my life and the difficulty of, you know, the, the difficulties that I was facing. But, you know, what I discovered was that yoga indeed did take me out of the world, but in a different way than I thought. You know, it, it took me out of the right. world, you know, um, as a mundane place. It took me out of the world as a place of uh, challenge and struggle. It took me out of the world as viewing it as an object, and it returned me to the world, um, you know, as my mother and, uh, you know, as the sacred. And so yoga has been a beautiful journey for me in that way. And um, 
uh, I was also thinking about, you know, how um, this journey in when we look at the eight limbs of yoga from uh, Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, you know, begins the first step, you know, nonviolence, ahimsa. And sort of as I was falling asleep last night, I was thinking, you know, there's a tendency to view this in a kind of linear way. You know, we start with step one and we end up with step eight, you know, which is samadhi. But, mm-hmm. um, but last night I saw it as a circle mm-hmm. um, exactly. that, you know, these two ends meet and they're inseparable. This nonviolence and pure consciousness um, are linked together in that way. And so, you know, yoga provides us with that beautiful um, way to see this interrelationship of um, how to live and how to live um, with this pure consciousness that allows us to live in harmony uh, with the earth and to live in a sacred way. And Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking particularly that our original state is that state of connection and that as we think back to childhood and we think back to those moments of wonder where perhaps we can recall the first flower that we saw bloom or think back of an early memory of a snowstorm or just breathing deep and running hard and then all of the thoughts intervene and it's the chitivrittis, the um, really the cacophony of all of the different issues and concerns and thoughts about what do we do next and what do people <laughs> think of us and that this is this is the problem. I mean, that it's mm-hmm. our, our thinking obsession that creates the separation and that what a beautiful way to recover that, that childhood awe and wonder is to go back and to return again and again to that humble experience of listening to the birds, listening to the mockingbirds, watching the flowers bloom, that this is the way that we can recover that original state of yoga. And we do. We have that direct experience that being in nature um, does help us clear our minds um, and and open us to that to that experience of oneness. And and of course, you know, part of yoga philosophy tells us that the that the purpose of creation is is to um, allow this experience. Right, you know, it, it is it is the way in which we can consciously come to know who we really are, and um, so that's a, it's a beautiful um, opportunity that we are given um, by by nature, and you know, I want to talk a little bit this morning about this. Um, idea that you know is seen of course in many religious traditions and it's there also in classical yoga which has a tendency to divide you know this dualistic thinking about heaven and earth and um, we, we see that in the Samkhya philosophy you know underlying the yoga sutra with these two eternal principles you know spirit and nature or purush and um, prakriti um, it's the alignment of those that makes creation possible, but it can be problematic um, when there is a thought that spirit is above nature as a higher value. And we are, of course, in 
in yoga taught to identify ourselves as spiritual beings and that the goal of yoga is liberation from the influence of nature. So, you know, the question we have is, you know, how can we find an ecological heart or mind um, that, that aligns with this philosophy? Exactly. And as I reflect on the many great teachers that I've had the benefit to sit with yoga teachers both here in America and in India, when we examine their life and if we reflect on what you and I have already talked about, it becomes obvious that it's through the celebration, it's through the presence in the moment, it's through the recognition of the the flower in front of us, that famous moment that uh, we hear of in Buddhism, where the Buddha just lifted up the flower and smiled. This was said to be the birth of the Zen tradition. And without that flower, and without that smile, and without that intimacy, there could be no awareness. So I think that uh, as Bahugana, uh, Sundarla Bahugana, who is one of the, the leading ecological environmental activists of India, has said, the problem that we need to get away from is not nature. The problem that we need to get away from is what's happened, what we've done with nature, the scientism and the technology and the industrialization. All of this comes from the thought of, of the human being and all of it's designed to manipulate nature rather than revere nature. Mm-hmm. And in order to recover that original consciousness moment, we need to move into states of reverence rather than states of greed. Absolutely. And of course, the core teachings of yoga, you know, that point us to the um, fundamental problem being, you know, avidya, right? This sense of ignorance exactly. about, you know, yeah. who, who we are and this, this idea of separation. And so the oneness of yoga um, must include this oneness with all of life, um, this this oneness with nature. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh said it beautifully. He said, you carry Mother Earth within you. She's not outside of you. Mother Nature is not just your environment. And so, you know, I think today as we're bringing forth an environmental consciousness, what yoga can offer us is is that, you know, understanding that, you know, even as we're um, wanting to support and revere the environment, what's really going to make the change is to understand that it's not outside of us. Exactly. I'm currently teaching at the university a, a course in world religions and ecology. It's a service learning course, and the students all do apprenticeships, uh, internships with different nonprofit organizations. And I've had several students working with the Green Yoga Association. And the Green Yoga Association locally has a, a monthly gathering that includes a yoga practice, a discussion, and then a simple sharing of food. And I've been really moved by watching these young students, as with students everywhere, so many are, are taking up the practice of yoga, but they've been just so enthralled and intrigued with our group leader, Jasmine Lee, as Jasmine just talks about things in the simplest, simplest way. And the students, in fact, took up her example, and they, for our class, created a beautiful vegetarian meal, 
and led people not through rigorous or um, outlandish yoga poses, but just very gentle movements that realign the body with the rhythm of the breath Mm -hmm. and realign Mm -hmm. our attention and focus back to those foundational aspects of nature. That's so beautiful, helping us reconnect to ourselves and to the earth. And when we come back from the book, we'll dive into this um, beautiful text from the Atharva Veda uh, in praise of Mother Earth. Uh, We'll be right back with you in just a moment. When listeners like you contribute to the Unity Online Radio Network, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. He's the most talked about figure in history. How do you see Jesus? As a savior, a way shower, a mythical hero. In his cutting edge new book, Jesus 2.1, an upgrade for the 21st century, Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard explores the many human concepts of Jesus. The man of Nazareth has been an imaginary spiritual playmate for millions. Best friend, confidant, silent lover, surrogate father, brother, husband, Trusted king when earthly governments fail. All-purpose superhero who will save the day before the final credits roll. Jesus is like a program that has been adapted through the ages while the basic code remains undisturbed despite all subsequent modifications. Now it is our time to rewrite and reinstall the Jesus program with updates for today, just as every previous generation has done and every subsequent generation will do. The Romans killed Jesus for being a revolutionary. Every succeeding generation kills him anew by losing sight of the ongoing revolution in human consciousness that he represents. Explore the new book, Jesus 2.1, at www.shopunity.org. Whether you love the Bible or hate it, turn to it daily or refuse to have it in your house, The Bible Alive! Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap is a program designed just for you. Here on Unity FM, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley presents the Bible as a practical, powerful spiritual roadmap full of wisdom and guidance for the challenges of life today. A roadmap for your spiritual journey. Isn't that just what you are seeking? Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, for The Bible Alive, exploring your spiritual roadmap with Rev. Ed Townley, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome 
back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Dr. Christopher Key Chapel. And um, we're going to dive into his new book in this segment that is called In Praise of Mother Earth, the Prithivi Sukta of the Atarva Veda. And um, these are beautiful verses. Um, the first, I think the first 63 um, verses of the 12th book of the Atharva Veda. And so in this segment, we're going to have an opportunity to hear from that text. Um, but I really want to recommend it to you. Besides the beautiful, inspiring verses um, about our relationship with Earth, um, each verse is um, combined with a photograph for contemplation. So this is a book you'll want to have out um, to read, to reflect, and it really draws you right in. So I want to let you know it's available at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment at the Tree of Life uh, Welcome Center and Bookshop if you're there in San Jose. If not, you can also find it if you go to the Green Yoga website. That's greenyoga.com. So let me begin by reading from the introduction to this book in praise of Mother Earth. The Prithivi Sukta is poetic, mystical, but also practical. It contains hymns devoted to medicinal plants, to interhuman relationships, and to Mother Earth. It celebrates the Dharma of nature. Dharma connotes a range of meanings, including law, righteousness, ethics, in short, all human activities that seek to hold the world together. By seeking a deep connection with nature, one finds an emotional foundation for taking correct action to protect the earth. And so, Chris, could you offer us um, some of the verses from this beautiful book? And it would be lovely to hear the Sanskrit and then the English translation. Okay, Ellen, I'd, I'd love to start with the very uh, first verse and note that it's accompanied with a, a spectacular photograph done by one of our young students at Loyola Marymount of Yosemite. And it starts with Satyam Verhad Urtam Ugram Diksha Tapo Brahma Yajnaha Prithavim Darayanti. And it holds forth principles from Vedic philosophy that truth, strength, artistry, ferocity, dedication, fervor, effulgence, and sacrifice are the attributes among us that sustain the earth. And the idea here is that through our tapas, through our energy, through our fervor, through our dedication, that we, in fact, and and recall, this text is from about 3,000 years ago, at a time when a human was a supreme being in a very literal sense of the the word. There were few, few human beings, and anything that we did as a community required the support and the energy and the connectivity amongst one another as we would craft uh, the worlds that we then grew to occupy and that we grew to reverence through our sacrifices. And this wisdom, which again comes down through more than 3,000 years, still rings true today mm-hmm. that our, our celebration, and I love this term rita, which comes into English in various ways. It's a cousin word, but ritual art, 
rhythm, artistry, all of these all of these concepts are what give us the joy to continue in our in our life path today. Mm, I I love this verse also. I'm so glad that you read it. Um, because when I read it, I was thinking really how visionary this text is. You know, when we think about, you know, here we are today in 2012. And, you know, what do we need um, to not only stand upon the earth with reverence, but to stand up for it? You know, to not allow the degradation um, of the environment, but to be able to protect it um, for future generations. And so this list is a list really of the divine qualities within us that are required, you know, of all of us in order to live with the kind of integrity um, and strength of purpose and dedication that's needed Um you know, I, I, I'm of the mindset that, you know, we all come into a time or an age that we, that we were somehow prepared for or we're ready for. <laughs> and so, you know, these, these are the qualities that we have that we have to cultivate in order to do uh, what must be done today. You know, truth, strength, artistry, ferocity dedication, fervor, effulgence, and sacrifice are are the attributes among human beings that sustain the earth. And so, you know, what I experience when I read that is that, you know, our relationship with the earth must be an active and conscious one. You know, it's not passive, you know, just taking and using and, um, you know, thinking that, uh you know, everything will be fine. <laughs> we need yeah, to do, we need exactly. to do our, our active part in this. Right. right, and I'd like to think as uh, we go forward in the text of verses 38 and 39 that depict on one side an ancient Vedic ritual into the triangular fire pit, the symbol of the yoni, with uh, Brahmins sitting around, obviously re- chanting, and then and on verse 39, an image of giants within a, a gorgeous bejeweled temple making offerings of rice and creating images that replicate the structure, the cosmology of the universe in a, a beautiful artistic form. That we have this long tradition of, of outward ritual that reminds us of this relationship that we have with the universe and that in our own yoga practice, we replicate those activities, but rather than performing them outwardly, although that may be a support for yoga, we emphasize really the, the more internal process. And it says in verse 39, it is upon that earth where the seven sages, the creators of the world, performed sacrifices and austerities, chanted hymns, and carried out sacred rites. And I'd like to think that my own yoga practice extends beyond those 45 minutes of asana and pranayama and meditation every morning into the walk that I take with my dog, that that becomes a sacrifice of surrendering to the day as it presents itself, surrendering my consciousness into an awareness of all of the cycles of flowers and and plants that, that come forth in the the repeat sunrise every single morning that this evokes the same rhythm. 
and that as I work in the garden and as I give attention to the plants that are coming along nicely, and we're doing very, very well with broccoli this year, <laughs> that, that, that that too is, mm-hmm. is like working at the, at the fire pit, at, mm-hmm. at that wonderful sacrificial altar where the bounty of the earth comes up and the bounty of the earth sustains us and nurtures us. You, you've given such a beautiful example of, of living yoga. And, you know, that's really what I have seen, what I have learned from my uh, guru, Roy Jean Davis, is this way, uh, just as you have described, this way of living yoga, living in harmony with the earth by living really gently and consciously with the, with the land. Um, the Paramahansa Yogananda had a, a phrase, he would say, you know, as yogis, we should have um, plain living and high thinking. <laughs> so, you know, this this simple way of, you know, not being so caught up in um, greed, you know, of acquiring and acquiring, but to keep life simple enough that you can um, appreciate the broccoli. You know, <laughs> if, if your life is cluttered with too many things, it's, it's hard to do that. Um, one of the verses that really jumped off the page for me is um, verse 13, the line, you know, speaking about the earth as um, being the place for making offerings, um, the line that says, here is where spirituality gets imparted. And so to really understand, you know, the earth as this tremendous gift um, that allows us to awaken um, that the whole earth is 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 the temple, you know the, the, exactly. it's the body. You know it's it's beautiful understanding. And we've had the blessing of really a lifetime of photographic reflections by one of our artists here, Robert Radin, and he's presented us with images from virtually every continent, including Antarctica. And with these photographs, we just get an amazing sense of the vastness not only of the earth, but the the variations of lifestyles and the particulars of people from all corners of the planet. And the Vedas themselves, they had an appreciation of really the the greatness and the the expanse of the world. And we we live this. We live this every day. And we need to bring our recognition to the beauty and, and the wonderment that we can uh, rejoice in as we turn our attention again and again to Mother Earth, beginning with the very soil, the loam of Earth, and then looking at all that she produces and all she sustains. I was thinking about in, in, in India how even in you know village villages and very simple homes, um, that often as part of their worship, their altar, they will have a Tulsi basil, holy basil plant, you know, in the courtyard of the home and that, you know, part of the offerings of the day is, you know, water to this plant. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's connected, you know, in the worship. The worship isn't just inside, <laughs> but it has this um, this connection uh, to nature. And and in in the in these verses, um, certainly there's this beautiful sense of um, praising the, the the awesome the awesomeness of of nature. Um, and then there's also this sense of understanding the 
interconnection um, that provides protection. So, um, and there are verses that I think are so insightful for us today about the importance of protecting the earth and how the earth protects us and how that is a mutual um, relationship. You know, I, I read a, an article recently about how you know, now they're seeing that these, uh, many of the earthquakes that have been experienced in the U.S. recently are a result of the drilling um, in the earth, the fracking, they call it. Um, that they're actually, the, that the U.S. Geological Survey has been able to say, you know, this is causing earthquakes. <laughs> so, um, Yeah, that, that's fascinating. And I recall that when some years ago there was a, a measurable earthquake in western New York, which is actually a very stable landmass, they discovered that a salt mine that had been excavated, a pillar within it collapsed, and that, in fact, caused this earthquake to happen. And the water tables got all messed up. There was flooding where there should not have been flooding. And it's taken some years for all of that to subside. So... It's quite literal, quite tactile that we're messing with Mother Earth on a rather grand scale, and there will be consequences. Mm-hmm. And I also want to um, just relish the reminder that we are small, that we are vulnerable. And even in India today, uh, there's some 500 people a year that are trampled and killed by, by wild elephants. And that we've created sort of this bubble, this illusion of of safety and comfort. And we get very upset if the power goes out for even five (laughs) hours here. Yeah. And and that with this uptick in tornadoes, particularly the last last few weeks, we get this reminder that uh, the, the warming of the planet will create these rather very, very difficult weather moments and with the the sobering aftermath there will be a regathering of respect a regathering of of humility an acknowledgement that the earth is far greater than we are and that we need to to live close to her rather than just merely abusing and taking from her and polluting and just grabbing because that that's ugly it's based in greed and we as human beings need to um, find a rhythm that can return us to simplicity and return us to that intimate connection. And that, of course, is where, you know, yoga is so helpful because it really does offer us the solution to that insatiable greed. You know, if we are wandering around, you know, not knowing who we really are or having a sense of alienation from ourselves, then, you know, we are always looking for something outside of us. You know, we're really vulnerable to all that advertising, you know, get this, have this, acquire this so that you you can be happy. And so it you know, yoga offers us a discipline of, of saying, you know, wait a minute, you know, let me inquire, let me find out, you know, where the source of real happiness is and how I can find that and know it. 
And I think it's, you know, from that place and from that transformation that, that we'll see um, a true environmental ethic um, arise. We're going to break in just a moment. And before we do, I, I want to offer this um, poem by uh, Mary Oliver who is such a wonderful poet and a voice for the environment today. She has a poem from her book, Evidence, a poem called The Trees. Do you think of them as decoration? Think again. Here are maples flashing. Here are the oaks holding on all winter to their dry leaves. And here are the pines that will never fail until death, the instruction to be green. And here are the willows, the first to pronounce a new year. May I invite you to revise your thoughts about them? Oh, Lord, how we are all for invention and advancement. But I think it would do us good if we would think about these brothers and sisters quietly and deeply. The trees, the trees, just holding on to the old, holy ways. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and you're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest today, Dr. Christopher Keechapel. Um, take a look at greenyoga.org to learn about his new book, In Praise of Mother Earth. And coming up in our last segment, we'll be looking at the joy of it all. We'll be right back with you. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity online radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit www.unity.fm and click on Mobile Listening. Just what does that dream mean? Ever wake up from a crazy dream and wonder what it meant? Have you had a recurring dream all your life and you just can't get it to stop? Get all your questions about dreams and dream interpretation answered by the leading expert in the field. Unity Online Radio is home to America's leading dream expert, Dr. Michael Lennox. And on Mondays at 2 p.m. Central, the Dream Doctor is definitely in. Tune in to Dream Interpretation with Dr. Michael Lennox, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Rev. Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at yogahour at unity.fm, and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and my guest today is Dr. Christopher Keach Happel. And we're exploring the um, verses from the Atharva Veda, the Prithvi Sukta, in, uh, that have been published in his new book, In Praise of Mother Earth. This is a beautiful um, poem of praise and delight in the beauty of the earth. Um, 
and helps us connect our spiritual practice to living on the earth with conscious awareness and grace. Um, Chris, tell us a little bit about your um, sadhana with your guru that really um, planted the seed, you know, for this ecological awareness in you that has, you know, I see this as a thread um, through your work um, from from the beginning. Um, so tell us a little bit about how that was, was quickened in you through your uh, uh, sadhana with your guru. Yes, when I first met Guru Ma, Grani Anjali, she was living in Mesopiqua, New York, and she lived in an old tenant farmhouse, probably an 18th century house that had been spared from destruction, but surrounded with tract homes. And I grew up in a, a part of the country, western New York State, where all we knew were old tenant farmhouses and, and the slightly larger and grander main house of the different farms. And then the village homes, which again were all uh, 19th century. So the minute I walked through the door, I found this amazing connection with her. And as I entered into the formal training within classical yoga, within just a, a few months, we were given a twice daily sadhana to sit with earth, literally to go outside with a trowel, to put a shovel full of earth on a plate and to bring it into our meditation space and to sit with it for 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night. And as I performed this sadhana and as I saw and went deeply into the earth, I discovered that then as I arose from this meditation, from this concentration, from this dharana, and as I walked through the little nature preserve and along the farmer fields over to where I caught the bus to go up to main campus at my university, that all of a sudden that earth that I had sat with in a small space became as vast as the farmer's fields, became as vast as the trees rising up out of the soil became as small as the individual decaying oak leaves that I encountered on this daily walk. And it just brought me such great joy. And it also put me in a different relationship with stuff because as we analyze anything, whether it be the chair we sit upon, the computer screen that we face, whether we look at the, the pages of a book, all of it comes out of those particles. All of it comes out of the, out of the prithivi, out of this stuff of Mother Nature. And with this, we can to really begin to cherish, to cherish the ubiquitousness of, the, of this material world that, that displays itself in so many ways, and also feel it within our own bodies, feel it within our own sense of this, this deep connection with our feet, our feet that are upon the earth, our hands that grasp and lift and place and offer, and even the, the particles of food that we ingest that then give us this life that is, is beautifully ours and yet belongs to everything, doesn't belong to just us. Mm. And, and, you know, as we approach a sadhana in that way, you know, what a gift your uh, guru gave to you, you know, and as we 
you know, broaden our consciousness, you know, to, to have yoga, you know, not just closing eyes and going within, but eyes open, you know, seeing this um, play of consciousness, um, this energy that is present uh, within us and around us. You know, we, we can also experience the guru, of course, you know, in nature. Um, mm-hmm. There's so much that we can learn, you know, as we observe nature. You know, before the break, I, I read the beautiful poem from Mary Oliver about the trees. And, you know, just to contemplate a tree is, mm-hmm. you know, such a, such a teaching. You know, we, we are blessed um, at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in that there is a living tree in our temple that is an Australian horsetail pine. And, um, you know, it, it grows up through the, through the temple. And, you know, every once in a while it speaks, you know, during the service, it will groan. And, um, uh, but, you know, just, just contemplating, you know, how, I mean, I think uh, Thoreau said, you know, a, a tree, you know, warms us twice, you know, when we're cutting the wood and when we have the fire. But, you know, I think there's so much more. I mean, there's that and there's so much more. You know, when you think of a of like a fruit-bearing tree, for example, you know, all of the fruit that it gives, the beautiful flowers and the fruit, you know, it's not for itself, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And Gurma wrote a beautiful song, which I won't sing, but I'll just give a few words from, but it's called See the Tree. And it goes on to say, See this tree standing there, just like you, just like me, through it all, um, storm, through calm, see the tree, see the tree. And we, again, I think all of us have had a moment. It's just part of being a human being and where we just are, we have our breath taken away by a tree. And if we think of the Lord of the Rings and how heroic the trees were in just fighting back and saying, we've had enough, we aren't going to put up with this anymore. And I just love the the bravery, but also the very, very ancient wisdom that Tolkien conveyed through his portraiture of the tree. And I just had a a beautiful visit to the David Hockney exhibit in London, where he studies trees, both in their particularity and in their harvesting. And I think we've all gone down a country road or even a city street where the trees create this amazing tunnel that embraces us and carries us as we move forward toward the horizon. And all of that, I think, really gives us that that sense of being cared for and being nurtured by Mother, by Mother Earth. And yet, it also reminds us of the tremendous responsibility that we've taken upon ourselves as human beings. Thomas Berry, one of my teachers, has a beautiful saying that we need to move toward the awareness that we are a communion of subjects, not a collection of objects. And that we need to recognize that trees themselves have subjectivity. How can we deny that the tree has presence? Mm -hmm. And if we've had that great moment of being with the sequoias and the redwoods in various parts of California, or the moment of being with the maples as they're changing, changing color, in the fall, but this time of year, putting forth those delicate blossoms and then the whirly gigs, their, their seeds, 
and then spreading into their, their lush greenery. I mean, this, this is awareness. This is consciousness in a way that, that can speak to us every day. And, and really being able to sort of step back and take this larger view um, and understand, you know, that the trees um, really on planet Earth are our lungs. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that, you know, without them, we, we don't have um, the air that we need um, to breathe. And so, you know, caring for the trees, being conscious about our relationship with them is is being you know conscious about our own body you know our larger body chris you know from this work that you have done this beautiful new book out in praise of mother earth and your your ongoing work with with yoga and ecology what what is the vision that you hold um for for our world today well, through the work of the Green Yoga Association, we've trained literally hundreds of, of yoga teachers who've completed certificates and attended some of our events. And as yoga increases in popularity and as millions of people pursue yoga, I see it really as a, a point of reference where people can check in with that moment of intimacy, where people can then begin to have a practical application for the yamas and niyamas of yoga, that they can take up the practice of vegetarianism, that they can take up the notion that fewer words perhaps may be better and that the true word is always the best, that they can reflect upon our disproportionate taking from the resources of the earth, that this is really a form of stealing, that thinking, and and this is now a worldwide phenomenon of of smaller family size because our lifespans are longer. We just can't afford the the luxury of of large families. And that this whole core Gandhian principle of of non-possession, that we need to think carefully about our resources. And for instance, we just um, the last few months have installed solar on our house and this was um, an act of sacrifice because mm-hmm. it will pay for itself, but it was an act of, of a financial commitment. But I'd much rather put my money, um, such as it is, not very much, but put this money into something that will allow us to be more gentle, to allow us to take a little bit less coal out of the earth and to work with this, this gift of, of the sun and acknowledge our needs of energy and, again, uh, conserve, to be conservative and to let that conservatism permeate and create a message for others to follow a lifestyle that, yes, if we can grow our own food, let's grow our own food. If we can generate our own energy, let's generate our own energy and live a little bit smaller so that we can all celebrate a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful vision, and you know, it brings me right back to the opening um, verses uh, in this um, Prithivi uh, Sukta, these divine qualities that um, we need at this time and can cultivate through the practice of yoga. Truth, mm-hmm. strength, you know, strength, mm-hmm. <laughs> artistry, exactly. ferocity dedication, fervor, effulgence, and sacrifice. Um, so just as you describe these these activities that, you know, you have been called towards, 
um, change in diet, um, looking at installing solar, the, you know, these kinds of things are initially uh, sacrifices for us, but they do lead to, uh, I think, a deeper joy in, in living. You know, whenever we're out of harmony, you know, we always have a, a, this kind of un, unrest. So I thank you so much, uh, Chris, for being back on the Yoga Hour today. And again, want to point people to your beautiful book, In Praise of Mother Earth, which you can find uh, at CSE at the Tree of Life bookshop or you can get it online at greenyoga.org and I want to invite everyone to Earth Day services at the center this weekend on Sunday there's going to be uh, tours of the meditation gardens learning about the trees and the birds that live there and also Friday night you are invited to help uh, I need somebody to learn about the Beatles and the Vedas with um, Phil Goldberg, author of American oh, Veda, will be with us and a live band from the center offering Beatles music. And I'll look forward to being with you next week uh, with special guest Dr. Barbara Fields for a conversation about deep green, spiritually inspired activism and caring for the earth. Uh, so until we meet again, let your inner light shine into the world. Remember to share your peace and your joy with everyone that you meet. Thanks again, Chris. Thank you so much, Ellen. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity FM the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. www.csecenter.org Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org You've seen reality TV. Well, now get ready for reality radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. You Can Heal Your Life follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome their challenges. Tune in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. He says, We must place a demand upon consciousness. We don't hope to get what we pray for. We expect it. As a 25-year veteran in the New Thought Movement, Dr. Chris has helped thousands of people find their way to success and healing. His faith is unshakable, and his commitment to helping others heal through the power of prayer is extraordinary. Don't miss Reality Radio, You Can Heal Your Life, with Dr. Chris Michaels. Live, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. Inspiration only takes a moment. Your friends at Unity invite you to reflect on these words from Rev. Jim Rosemurgy. Pause and take a deep breath. When you are ready, affirm silently to yourself. Sweet, sweet spirit, I desire a closer walk with you 
Show me the way. I am listening. Take time now in the silence to get in touch with the spiritual guidance within you. Have faith that your next step, your unfolding, your spiritual growth is coming to you in divine order through your spiritual instinct or your spiritual knowingness. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed you don't know where to turn. These days it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 